Start again. Start again. Start again. Start. Hi, I'm Jana Marashigil in Amsterdam. Hi, I'm Laura Empana in Vienna. And this is Not Loud Enough. A podcast where two very good friends bring their voices together to speak louder about all the issues they care about. This is episode 7! And today we're going to dive into the depth of one of the words we use the most in our endless conversations, which is... Process! Indeed, <laughs> Janan, we are going to talk about um, about process today and I'm so nervous. Why am I so nervous? I don't know why I'm so nervous. I'm not doing this for the first time. But I think it's such an important topic for us. Um, it's part of uh, such a big part of our lives and our friendship as well. Exactly. And uh, yeah, we will try to bring various perspectives to it as well. Yeah, it's indeed a part of our daily lives and we talk about it all the time. It's a word that comes back in every single conversation we have. So it's enriching, it's painful, it's funny, it's harsh, it's heavy, it's beautiful, it's ugly. <laughs> and no matter how it comes and what it does, it's the never ending. And always, it always takes us somewhere, right? It surely does. And uh, yeah, we want to go into into a discussion about the role of process in our lives, whether we talk personally or professionally. Um, how do we create anything from art, uh, objects, projects, organizations, ourselves, right? And what does it take? Uh, we will give you some concrete examples of our own processes. Uh, plus some additional thoughts. Yeah, it's a very complex topic, uh, actually, and even preparing for this episode has been a process in itself. <laughs> and so has the whole, this podcast, but, but, but we will get back to that at the end of the episode. Right, we will, we will. <laughs> and um, I don't know, maybe a good way to start would be uh, to talk about why we chose to dedicate um, an episode to this topic. Uh, then share our own attempts to define what process means to us. And I don't know, go from there, mention um, some, some of our own processes. What do you say? <laughs> well, let's start the process. <laughs> so, Laura, let's start with uh, why we chose to dedicate the episode on this very topic. Why is it important to us? Well, um, I think it is mainly because of the attention we both give to what is going on in our lives, personally and professionally, to what is going on in, in the world, to process, uh, going through all together, supporting each other, crying, laughing together <laughs> about it, and of course, being fed up with it sometimes, um, recognize our worst times, but also when we make it and feel like we like we have grown that each experience we have that sometimes doesn't match our plans or expectations is part of a larger process called life and is is all part of our many conversations we had privately and i think today we would like to share some some of those uh, thoughts with with you every single thing you said yes and for me you know it's 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 life process yeah. is life it's how right. i go through everything uh as you say you know professional personal psychological the emotions we feel uh and my creativity is all process oriented too and that's how i evolve and develop everything i do from my projects my artwork my writing and my relationships with uh, with people but then uh, I want to ask you, Laura, how do you define process? Oh, yeah, this is not going to be an easy one. Uh, <laughs> but we, we, we make an attempt to it. I know. That's why I ask you to start. 
Yes. I'm the writer, but okay, you know, just do it. <laughs> okay, I'll just um, dive into it. Um, I think to me, it, it is foremost about learning and growing understood um, as a constant work on improving who I am and what I do. Process is transformation. Uh, it starts with the will and the, cha- and the choice to change, to alter, to transform, to improve and own it. I think it's very important. Um, personal growth influences the, the professional path. And so to me, they are always, always interconnected. But perhaps the best definition I heard about process that truly speaks to me comes from Edmund Deval, um, an artist best known for his work with porcelain and an author. And he says that the manner of what we make defines us. This is deep. It is all right there. The manner of what we make defines us. The manner meaning, you know, the process itself, a continuous journey of will, choice, uh, focus, ambition, fear, I don't know, failure, um, uncertainty, and very importantly, attention to what is going on. And so I think it builds you up and whatever you do over and over again, and it eventually defines you, right? Yeah, I mean, that quote, I I would like us to just sit Mm -hmm. with it for a few seconds. Yeah. The manner of what we make defines us. I mean, yeah. And this also takes me to to another book, uh, to a book uh, called Gestures by uh, Wilhelm Flusser, which is all about the gestures of doing, making things, such as photography, filming, listening to music, reading. Hell, he even has an essay on how to smoke a, you know, the gesture of smoking a pipe, you know. That's great. uh, (laughs) But this idea of of gestures is also all about uh, process. Yes, indeed, you always talk about that book. Yeah, and we always talk about Edmundo Wan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do, we do. And I feel so connected to this person. He doesn't know it, but <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a big fan of his work and uh, of what he stands for. And um, remember, we had the privilege to to meet him in Amsterdam at the public, public talk I think with, uh, who was it, A.S. Bayat? Yes, yes. It was a fantastic conversation. And I think I have a recording of that conversation. I never get tired of listening to that man, you know. But uh, Antonia Bayat, she's also, I mean, extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a delight to listen to to, to him. And uh, by the way, talking about that, you know that there is this, fabulous conversation between him and Paul Holdengreber, uh-huh. who, uh, yeah, who, uh, and another person who uh, we, we both admire. Yes, we're both fans, huge fans. Yes. If he's listening, we can tell it, we're huge fans. <laughs> yes, he knows it now. Um, for, the, for, for the ones who don't uh, know who he is, uh, he's the former director of the New York public library. Uh, he used to organize uh, this uh, series of literary conversations called Life from the New York Public Library. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular conversation between him and Edmund Deval uh, took place in 2015, but uh, to me, oh, it is timeless. And I may refer to this conversation several times during our recording. Please do, please uh, do. <laughs> uh, you also know very well what I'm talking about. Uh, it was thanks to you, actually, that I, I discovered Edmond Deval. Mm. So this particular conversation is about um, Edmond Deval's back then latest book, The White Road, uh, A Journey into Obsession, which is a great book, by the way. But actually, it is a deep dive of two great minds into process and the passion for making. And to me, it is a great example of a talk that crosses industries. And no matter what you do professionally, you can take many things out of this dialogue. Um, I first listened to it around the same time when I started Migration Lab. And I come back to it over and over again throughout the years. I recommend having a listen. Uh, of course, we will provide the link um, in, in the in the notes of this episode. 
And one more thing before we, we go on, one more <laughs> thing about this conversation. <laughs> Bear with me. <laughs> um, when, uh, when asked about his seven words, uh, a ritual that uh, Paul Holdenkreiber always performed in the beginning of his interviews, Edmund de Waal said, start again, start again, start again, start. And he added, that's where I am today, meaning at the start. So here it is, this 50 years old accomplished international artist who finds himself at the start always. I find this so beautiful and so evocative for what we are discussing today. Music to my ears, Laura. Everything you just said. I mean, as we said, we're both fan, fan, fans, 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 fans. The fans, on est tous les, toutes les deux fans. We would say voilà. French, voila. That's why in my head, that's how it works. You know, I, I hear words in different languages and it's the same word in different pronunciation in different languages. So we are both fans of Edmund de Waal and also Paul Holdengraver. Uh, and he's really one of my favorite interviewers of all times. I have to say, I've learned so much listening to his interviews and he's done so much work with incredible artists and writers and now you know he's hosting the quarantine tapes it's a wonderful podcast yeah. that was born you know during the pandemic and it's also a wonderful example of discussing process you know with yeah. writers especially in times of crisis and those seven words by the while <laughs> start again start again start again start you know, it's a beautiful way to revisit also Samuel Beckett's, you know, fail again, fail better. But here, I, I, here, I really want to read the full quote um, from Beckett. Please, and please do, please do. So, ever tried, ever failed, no matter. Try again, fail again, fail better. First the body, no. First the place, no. First both. Now either, now the other. Sick of the either, try the other. Sick of it, back sick of the either. So on, somehow on. Till sick of both. Throw up and go. Where neither, till sick of there. Throw up and back. The body again. Where none, the place again. Where none, try again, fail again, better again. Or better worse. Fail worse again, still worse again. Till sick for good, throw up for good, go for good, where neither for good, good and all. So we'll link to this text in the show notes. Uh, there are, of course, many interpretations that can be done of this fragment. And this is quite a dark fragment, I must say. But to me, this is process because process can be painful and dark, <laughs> very dark sometimes. I do find myself lost in the creative process when I try to capture an emotion, express a thought, transform pain into something beautiful, meaningful, mm. something I hope will touch people. I guess that's why process is so complex. And as you said in the beginning, it is a transformation. And to me, a very important point is that process gives space for failure. I believe in failure, yeah. Laura. I really do. I believe yeah. in, in falling, sometimes very hard, because yeah. I also believe in getting up again. Yeah. I, you know, I'm the one who can do that, and my process will bring me there at some point. I don't know, do I make sense or is it too abstract? <laughs> no, I don't think it's too abstract. Uh, it definitely makes sense uh, to me. I, I understand uh, everything you say. Uh, the part, the, the falling part, yes, falling hard, oh, definitely. Getting up again, oh yeah, that too. So, but I think we can, we can move to concrete examples then. What would you like to talk about? Well, um, I think it would be interesting if uh, I share the process of making Migration Lab and I will just dive into it. Um, it, it all started in 2014 um, with an urge to change the way we communicate in public space. And uh, I'll explain what, what I mean by that. Uh, what I mostly missed in my journey as a Romanian migrant in Western Europe that started 
sometimes 13 years ago, was a dedicated time and space where you can meet to have honest, authentic and, yes, difficult conversations on various aspects of migration, um, whether we talk about identity, languages, uh, the words we choose, the tone of voice, you know, um, and, and yeah, ultimately how we can live together in the same neighborhood or city. But, you know, I, I didn't. I did not wake up one day and said, today uh, I would like to start an organization called Migration Lab that will do A, B, C, D. Um, not at all. It was, it was very much an organic progression. Uh, I did wake up one day pretty much around this time, six years ago, with a big urge to write. And so I started a blog called Migration Lab, where I shared my own experiences as a Romanian migrant, hoping to generate a conversation with uh, people around the world. And basically everything unfolded from there. And for example, in the span of uh, three, four months, the blog migrated to a project called Welcome to the Living Room. Uh, without knowing what to expect really um, would the format I was proposing encourage people to meet to to share their own experiences and and have a conversation about it I had no idea I had no idea all I knew was that I needed to try and it was such a powerful feeling inside um, and in this sense the first Migration Lab Living Room uh, organized in Vienna in March 2015 when I launched everything was a decisive moment. I was in awe how much people needed to have these honest conversations in, in, in a safe environment in public space because no one was talking about these things back then. And uh, that was the, the driving force behind deciding that I have to continue and work on this idea. And a few, few more months later, the Migration Lab Foundation uh, was created. Now, it is within this development process that the co-creation aspect started to, to take shape. Um, in the fall of 2015, in the middle of the global migration crisis, I participated in the uh, Vienna Design Week which took place in a former bread factory that was transitioning into a cultural hub. That was quite a space. Um, and there we had to create a public living room in, in an empty space. You know, this is a factory. This is a cold, big room. We had to make it cozy and, uh, yeah, a living room. Mm -hmm. And among, among many things we did... We also had a co-design workshop uh, together with migrants, refugees, and locals who built and personalized uh, with paint, upholstery, and fabrics Enzo Mari's uh, famous city on one chair. Wow. Um, so we, we used wood as well. And these chairs were integrated into the Migration Lab living room. They also acted as an installation during uh, the, the exhibition. And uh, this this was uh, this was done together with uh, with curator Alicia Story Liechtenstein and cultural producer Dominic Nostitz. Um, then back in the Netherlands, because you know I, I was always in between Austria and the Netherlands. Uh, I continued to put more thought into the co-design process. Um, adding new elements to it, adding art, different artistic forms. Um, and this co-design process actually meant welcoming diverse perspectives and experiences and creating together with migrants, refugees and locals, these dedicated spaces for encounters and conversations. It was not only me, but we were doing this together. And then for the entire year of 2016, thanks to a uh, research and development grant from European Cultural Foundation, I researched and tried out this new way of coming and working together uh, through co-design workshops and welcome to the living room events 
in Amsterdam, in The Hague, in Rotterdam, in community spaces, universities, um, on water, on a former refugee boat. Uh, where else were we? In the attic of a museum, for example. Um, and, you know, this had a significant impact on the organization because this process of creating together and directly involving these communities was what made Migration Lab innovative. And it is where its uh, expertise lies and it is known for. Yeah, and I was at some of these events and I remember being very moved by the encounter you did on the refugee boat, for instance. I even wrote about this experience. We'll link to it in the, in the show notes. But it's quite an incredible process in itself. And yeah. to see actually that the process... so. There's the process of you doing the project and making Migration Lab a foundation out of a block and the whole yeah. process going on in you. But there's also the process within the project of yeah. everybody co-creating. So you have different levels of, uh, of process here. Yeah. And I, I guess this also led you to work further with organizations. And, and most importantly, I guess, process is what allows you to, to build trust between everybody involved. Indeed, there was this, uh, yeah, like a, a ball rolling. One thing led to another. Mm -hmm. But this was also because I was always kept going and trying. And um, uh, I will speak um, in a bit more detail uh, a bit later. But indeed, um, we we created this co-design methodology. And then I started to work with uh, international organizations and facilitated a participatory process for their teams and stakeholders uh, to work on complex topics uh, such as diversity, inclusion, uh, culture, migration, uh, social cohesion in countries like um, Ireland, Italy, Tunisia, the Netherlands. Uh, now we are in the middle of the fourth milestone um, and that is making Migration Lab more accessible to individuals and communities who need our uh, expertise and, of course, adapt to the new reality we are in. This is not an easy year. No, it's not. Oh, my God, this is so impressive. All the work, you know, the more I've been following for, for years, of course. We've known each other now since the beginning when you started Migration Lab. And, you know, I, I, I followed it all. But hearing you talk about it here again really moves me a lot, I have to say. And I'm really curious now to know more about how it worked behind the scenes. You know, mm -hmm. how did you make all of this happen? Yeah, I mean, I want to know about the struggles. I want to know about mm -hmm. your fears. I mean, how did you stay fit physically, mentally? And, and what made you, you know, keep going and move forward? Yeah. yeah. Well, um... Let me tell you that behind the scenes were a roller coaster, definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely. And I mean, it is not easy to encompass everything in, in, in a, such a short uh, time frame, but we, won't, we don't want to, to, to have this episode for hours. <laughs> uh, but I think I will, I will uh, uh, compress it into three dimensions. Because there is so much going on on so many levels and usually everything happens at the same time. Um, and yeah, these uh, three dimensions I was dealing with, uh, I think first of all, it's, it's about starting an organization from scratch, an experience that I didn't have before Migration Lab. I mean... That and everything that that um, um, goes goes with it, managing everything by yourself. You are alone in a first phase, in a first year, maybe in the first two years. And clearly, you need to develop new skills and fast. Um, I was lucky, for example, to have a background in uh, marketing, communication, event management, and that helped me a great deal. But I was operating in a new industry and I had to learn to, to navigate through, through all that as well. Then another, another dimension, another layer is uh, your own personal journey within this process. It's what you have just mentioned before. And even more so for me, because I started everything from a, from a personal place. 
and I experienced so many emotions and fears and pressures and, you know, moments when I was doubting myself. Uh, the imposter syndrome kicked in a few times as well, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, things like, will I be able to manage everything? Will I be able to survive financially? This is such a, such a uh, big pressure. And um, at the same time, all this was compensated with amazing moments like um, meeting and working with diverse people in diverse in, in different countries. You know, all the stories that I heard, the conversations during the public living rooms, um, exploring together new ways to look at the world and, and each other. Um, it, experiencing the connections and the and the humanity that were taking place during these events um so yeah i guess seeing how my work had an impact in a in, in a certain locality that mattered more than any difficulty and uh i think the third dimension which is also quite a big one um uh, I was working with a very polarizing topic mm. in the middle of a major global migration crisis. Yeah. This is a lot. Yeah. This is a lot. Um, everyone, people, media wanted a quick fix back then. Um, you know, as if one individual or organization or government would be able to solve such a complex issue uh, by themselves. What one of the things that I, I, I did with Migration Lab was to to challenge people to actually take the time, mm-hmm. take a deep breath, and reflect. Mm-hmm. Have the curiosity to know each other and talk to each other, and that may be a good start yeah. to solve this. It's something we deeply need right now as well, I must say. But how? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But what helped you then to deal with all this? Um, well, I think... The, the, you know, to, I'm talking about fears and obstacles pre- yeah. specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, because again, we can talk uh, so much, but I think I always had to come back to purpose. Yeah. Why do I do everything I do? Mm. Why is this important? Why does it matter? What am I doing here? You know, I can I cannot emphasize this more. Uh, I think it's something that the business world could also start thinking in this way much more uh, than it has until now. And, you know, sometimes uh, you lose perspective because because of the immediacy of, of doing you need to do, you need to produce or because of financial pressures or, or whatever. But the why, at least to me, it always brought me back on track, so to say. Yeah, I mean, the work, you know, it's the, the work that matters and, and the reason why we do it. Right, that's that's very true. And another thing was that, uh, for example, I really pushed myself out of my comfort zone and never stopped trying new things. Um, you know, even if the conditions were not always perfect because they never are, they never are. Yeah. Um, I also think it's important to 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 see the positive and not only the cracks in what you do. Um, and at the same time, for me, each event was also an opportunity to to learn and improve. Yeah. Start again, start okay. again, start again, start. <laughs> there we are again, right? <laughs> it's exactly that. We always go back to that. And um, yeah. In in this in these past six years, I don't know. There have been uh, peaks and lows, and maybe one year is more difficult than another. Because mm. yeah, look what's going on right now yeah. in, in in the world. But I accept that. I allow this process to happen. I don't panic, or at least I I like to think I don't, mm. or not always. <laughs> and um, I'm here when I, you panic. I'm here, and when I panic, I know, you're here. So we're fine. <laughs> Um, I think I also try not to put too much pressure on on myself either. I just keep going. Mm -hmm. And um, I I think I I want to mention something that is also extremely important. Um, uh, The fact that in, in, in the most difficult times, the people I was surrounded with um, and their constant support and belief in, in what I do made 
a huge difference. Um, and you were one of them. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm so moved by this. Oh, yes. <laughs> you are always, always there. Um, mm. And, you know, each, each time when I would feel down or think that I would not be able to go on, because you, you have these moments, you, you really do. Um, I would receive an email or a phone call or a WhatsApp message from people who participated in one of the events or co-design workshops or even, I don't know, organizations that heard about what I was doing and wanted to partner and create similar events in their cities um, or countries. Well, those messages gave me so much strength and it, it is it is so important and, and it's something that I also started to, to do, you know, um, express my appreciation, give feedback to people when I feel their work inspires me or has a positive impact on society. It's, it's, it's something very important. I, and you know, going back to the discussion between um, Edmund Deval and uh, Paul Holdenkreiber, it is such an extraordinary thing to create something. It's a hell of a journey to, to get there, to, to go through everything. Um, appreciation is the least we can do. Uh, and I actually mentioned this uh, on, on my social media uh, earlier today, I actually found out that today is the World Entrepreneur Day. Um, thank you, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and I just shared some love and some hugs to all fellow entrepreneurs and creators out there, no matter what you do and you know what you work on. Every process-oriented uh, work and creativity and job. I love that post, by the way. We will put a link in the show notes to your Instagram post, and <laughs> it's it's a, it's a lovely post. I love it. I love the pic that picture of you on your balcony in the Hague, a time when you were closer to me. And now you're away in Vienna, and we can't even see each other because of this pandemic. I'm going crazy here. This was my crazy moment. Sorry, people. This was my. I, I needed this moment. I needed to share the love show you how much i love this this woman eh? and oh, i miss you very much really i do and i'm very moved like uh, what you said right now you know uh -huh. i moved that my presence in those days made a difference and you know I, I always believed in what you do and i believe in you and i still do <laughs> i still do so otherwise we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now but look um, at uh, yeah look at how amazing where does process take us? It is. It, it's it's really incredible to see the, the the many outcomes of such a journey, and it keeps evolving. And um, I come back to what you just said. Um, if Migration Lab exists today, it is in big part because of you too. It, it really is. I'm not. I'm not uh, sugar. Oh, coding wow. or anything here or it is you have been such an important part uh, of it in in many in many ways in in many ways and uh yeah this is um this is part of our great friendship yes. as well thank you but you, you the same for me you know that you're part of my journey and i'm not gonna cry now in this podcast but people can <laughs> It's part of your process as well. It and, is part. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to to, to you sharing. Um, uh, you know how how process is working for you. How yes. how do you do? I mean, you work in the creative field, and you have always amazing amazing stories to share. Oh, thank you, thank you. But everything you just said is so important because it shows again why we need to nurture process. You know, not be afraid of process. We really need to to go with it and even when it's painful and difficult and this is also linked to to why we do everything we do you know even when preparing for this episode you know uh, I've been thinking I've been thinking a lot about you know which examples can I share how can I showcase process in my work and my life and it's basically everything I do everything I do and I create you know, so I'm going to try to focus because as we said, we don't want this episode to go on for hours and hours uh, unless our listeners say, yes, please talk for hours. We want to listen. Of course. I mean, we, we know we could go for we hours could, and you hours. Know, but... you, you know, our, our WhatsApp conversations are already quite long, so we could do this. 
But uh, yeah, just like for you, you know, exactly f- what happened for you, it always starts with, with an urge, a yeah. necessity, a, a yearning for transformation. And for instance, uh, let me give you this example. <clears throat> a few years ago, I was working on an essay. I think it was an essay and I w- where I was exploring questions linked to my own family, uh, history of migration, my own identity and so on. And I was speaking with my dear friend Yasmina, who is a visual artist and an academic based in Sarajevo. And she suggested that I read a book called European Others, Queering Ethnicity in Post-National Europe um, by Fatima El Tayeb. Mm-hmm. And oh, Laura, did did that book start a long process in my life? You know, I, I know <laughs> it's been like seven years, I think, since yeah. I read it, and since then it has just become a reference in many things I do, maybe in everything I do. And you know, I started writing poetry in English, you know, yeah. but more yeah. importantly, I dared calling myself a poet. See, I also yeah. had. Imposter syndrome at some point, but thankfully that's gone now. People who know me and who know my large ego, they know I don't have imposter syndrome anymore. (laughs) So, and after, you know, I performed a poem, uh, Mm -hmm. which I wrote inspired by one of the quotes in that book. And that same quote, which includes, you know, a beautiful line describing how as migrants, we're always frozen in the state of migration by definitions of our identities imposed on us right and this idea of being frozen really stayed with me and Mm -hmm. always and that urge that yearning to to melt out of that state Mm -hmm. you know poetry was one way to do so melt out of imposed identities then I've also used that idea in one of the programs I have curated for the read my world festival I have been involved in since 2018 Two years ago, I curated an event called Imagining Beyond Identities that started with that same idea. And now I have also suggested this book as a starting point in how we define being European and Europe to the wonderful team of the Read My World Festival. And together, we have decided to focus this year's edition on Europe, but looking at it from the perspective of the European others, you know, So this process, just like yours with Migration Lab, really shows how our personal story is linked to our work and how they constantly feed each other. To me, that that really is part of the process because without the personal, there is no process. And and I'd like to give one more example of process again. Sure. Yeah, yeah, link to that book again (laughs) and everything I just said right now. About three years ago, I got asked by the publishing house that had hosted me in residency in Lille in France if I would like to write a book about translation and more specifically, why I translate. And this idea excited me a lot, of course. Uh, It was about my urge, you know, it was about why, the why behind my translation work, which of course, as we just established, involves a lot of process and the personal. The reason why I translate is linked to who I am, to my biography. Mm -hmm. And it is also linked to me feeling like a European other, you know? Mm -hmm. I had embraced that identity so well by now. I even decided to name the book L'Autre Européenne, which means the European other, uh, so singular in French. Mm -hmm. I wrote and finished the book, but it never got published. Yeah. For a variety of reasons, and I'm I'm really not interested in those because, to be honest, it's not in my control. So I rather just move on. And the process of writing the book, of reflecting, of having, of having it not become a book now when I thought it would be, yeah. it all has just confirmed one thing: the outcome has not killed my urge. The reason mm-hmm. why I do what I do, why I translate why I write, why I make art, why I curate cultural programs. Everything is linked and my process is ongoing. So I decided instead of focusing on why the publisher has decided to drop the book, to focus on what I could do with that content. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
what a journey <laughs> for you as well, Janan. What a journey. And yeah, uh, I, of, of course, I, I know parts of, of what you just described and um, the festival you're working on right now, it has such an amazing lineup and you. and you are doing beautiful, beautiful things uh, there with, with the whole team. Uh, I... I like very much what you just said at the end because I think it is so important not to get stuck in an outcome, mm -hmm. uh, in an outcome that did not go as planned or expected. Um, I think it's it's so important also to accept accept that it didn't work, and not just uh, lament about it and uh, why is this happening to me? Why is it not working? Mm -hmm. um, just accept it and and be flexible and adapt. And move on, as you as you say. And I think it's it's a mindset as well. It's it's a muscle you need to train all yeah. the time. Um, I know very well it has been also a process for me to 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 go into into this kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. So uh, totally, yeah. No, I totally agree with you because we have you know we both shown now with our discussion that process takes yeah. time. Yeah. And we do learn during, and even if the outcome is not always like you just said, like we thought it would be, but here we are again. <laughs> start again. Start, start again, again. Start again. Start again. Start. Oh, back to our dear Edmond Deval. Always. always. <laughs> um, I was just, uh, you know, because you just mentioned process takes time, and. Uh, a thought crossed my mind, just crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm thinking with today's immediacy to produce anything yeah. and, and fast, mm -hmm. how do we find time for process and, and reflection? If, if, for, if for one moment we step outside the cultural sector which is actually also it relates very much to the sector too but if we have a look for example the private and the public sector here again i need to to refer to the discussion between uh, paul holdengreber and and, and <laughs> Deval. in the same conversation we just mentioned um when uh, paul quotes kikegaard mm -hmm. um and he says the goal is to arrive at immediacy after reflection yeah <laughs> I, I love this quote yeah. because it puts reflection before immediacy you know exactly. and if i were a ceo of a company mm -hmm. or if i would lead a team i would share this quote with with my employees or with my with mm -hmm. my team and and would start a conversation uh, around it because the way we work and live is on such a speed or at least it has been until march uh, hopefully we don't go back to the mm. same thing. <laughs> um, I think we, we need to make an effort to have that wheel I was talking about in, in the beginning to find the time to reflect and uh, to pay attention to what is going on uh, in your life, in your organization, um, in your company. Uh, even when we are constantly pressured to produce fast all the time, uh, when quality starts to get overlooked, when we tend to get more into tactics without having a strategy behind, I think we start losing perspective. Mm. And what do we do when we lose perspective? We go back to the why, mm. reflection. And I think reflection is such an important point, element of, yeah. of the process as well. It, it is key. And I'd like to say that to me, you know, the experience, for instance, with the unpublished book, really brought me back to thinking. Outcome is not what drives me. Process is. And I think it also links into what you just said about the need for reflection and taking the time really to focus on why we do what we do and not just on quickly producing things. And um, I would also like to give one more example, you know, showing that process is also quite liberating, especially in creative work. And that also reflects uh, just into what you say, you know, it, uh, about reflection, because process allows space for reflection too. So, as you know, I do give, or used to before the pandemic started, <laughs> many yeah. workshops, you know, using translation and creative writing. And my focus has always been on the process, 
and not the outcome. So I always insist on telling the participants of my workshops that I don't really care about what they will produce. And I'm more interested in how they get there or try to get there, you know, how they start and start again and start or how they fail again and fail better. You know, this is what I'm interested in. And then, you know, the discussions are, that we will have during the workshop, the sharing, the trying, the failing, the making, everything. And, yeah, the starting over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what I have learned through working in this way is that for most people, not having to produce something, a poem, a translation, a text, whatever we're working on, it's just liberating. Yeah. They feel free, Laura. They feel free. They feel free to focus on the creativity, on experiencing writing or translation in the moment. And that, that to me is what matters. I learned so much from my own process. I am keen on passing that on to as many people as possible. Freedom through process. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, uh, you know, it is true. It, it, it's what you said. It's, it's, um, it's something that it can be easily done in, in the cultural sector for other sectors where outcomes are really important. Um, yeah, you, you, you need a bit of a, the outcome. It's, it's important, uh, plays an important role, yes. but I think even other sectors, you know, in order to liberate your mind from, uh, from, from this pressure of producing, you mm -hmm. can try out from time to time to have these creative approaches exactly. um, that you can do in between with your team, for example. Exactly. Uh, but we see it yeah. right now, right? Yeah. With the pandemic, lots of events canceled. Lots of things don't happen the same way. The way we work has changed. So, uh, you know, the, for instance, the festival I work for, you know, yeah. we are, we've been doing so many efforts you know we work so hard on making an amazing program which is online i will also link it in the show notes mm -hmm. of course there are uncertainties about how it's going to happen in october you know 9 and 10 october are they going to have you know travel bans uh, because we have guests coming from from abroad uh, are we going to be able to have yeah. those events physically etc and of course the outcome is the festival you know but yeah. I would like to think of ways, and I think you're also interested in this, how do we translate the process as well? How do we make it accessible to audiences? So they are also, it's also interesting, like, let's say festivals cannot happen. Let's say events are canceled. How can we make sure that people still access what we wanted to give them, not only as an outcome, but also show them the journey, show yeah. them the process, make them part of this? Make them part of the behind the scenes. And which which brings you also to the co-creation process of yes. Migration Lab, no? Yes. Because that's... You know, how do we make them part of it and not canceled? You know, we don't want to cancel everything, even if physically we will have to cancel certain things, but we don't have to cancel the process. I think the world is in the process to figure that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is what I think. This is like really. And uh, I think we will come up with, when I say we, I'm, I'm talking generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there will be there will be many interesting ideas coming um, because we need to adapt to, to, to the new reality. Exactly. It was a very interesting point that you just made. And I like that. Um, I think we are now approaching our our... Um, closure yes so to say and actually I, I like that we have that point of freedom through process as, mm -hmm. as our as our closure yeah totally and uh, and that we also leave some questions open and I hope that our listeners will think and if if you have ideas any listeners out there are you there by the way yes please give a sign um <laughs> <laughs> do share how, how is it going on for you you know how is process working for you and uh, especially in these times of, of crisis um, and before before we leave everybody uh, my dear Laura I would like yeah. 
Yeah, we, we, we promised something in the beginning of the episode. Oh, we that's right. That's that right. We, we completely yes, got yes. carried away with process. We have to keep our promises and there are some news we want to share. That's true. Um, yes. Um, well, we do see that there are some shifts um, that have occurred since since the first episode. Yes. Since our very first episode back in two. 2017, I think it was, oh, right? Wow, November 2017. Yeah. Oh my God, that's a long time. November. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, almost three years now. Wow. Um, okay. And because because we have both evolved in our work and yes. in our roles, and we now also see how our different interests and, and views are completing each other. <laughs> we are a perfect match. And our initial conversations, you're right, they were mainly topics on cultural feminism and migration, which is still, you know, the core in everything we do. But, you know, we had a gap of almost now two years uh, since the last episode we recorded. And right. And, we and talked, yeah. yeah, a lot has happened in, in all this time. And as you said, uh, because, or I said, I don't know who said who, but... Well, we it, think alike. So, you know, great minds <laughs> exactly. think alike. We, we evolved. <laughs> Uh, since our first episode, we feel that we should expand the range of topics and industries uh, we cover. Uh, business and culture don't exclude each other. Uh, we hope we can show that inspiration and learning uh, can come from unexpected places. At least it's the case in our podcast. Yes. Um, you know, because we have such a diverse background, uh, mm. you're very much involved in the cultural sector. I am also uh, touching on culture, but uh, have a background in, in the private, yeah. the public sector, uh, entrepreneurship, yeah. and so on. Yeah. And so we feel like yeah, it's covering a- all these aspects of ourselves, of who we are personally, professionally. Exactly. Because at the core is why we do what we do. And why we do what we yeah. do is always the same. You know, it is similar. We come from... A f- similar urges we have similar values about how we see the world etc we just use these differently in different sectors which i think is great because we learn from each other and this is what we would like to start sharing more like how do different sectors can learn from one another and more exciting news even we will also have guests along the way that reflect on the diversity of topics and industries we cover and already in our next episode, I think, right? We will have yeah. two guests yeah. and we will have a very interesting discussion. So of course, I'm, it's going to be interesting. You know, we're not going to have a boring discussion. <laughs> but, but, but we will let you know more closer to recording time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's all so exciting. And uh, yeah, I cannot wait to, to, you know, share all this. We cannot wait to share all this yes. with you. Uh, so stay tuned. Janan already mentioned that in case, um, you know, you have thoughts, suggestions, you want to write us about your own process, please do so. Uh, if you would like to, I don't know, work with us, uh, write us. We, uh, we are uh, responsive uh, at uh, notloudenoughpodcast uh, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We are also on Facebook at uh, notloudenoughpodcast. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at NLE Podcast. And remember, we can never be loud enough about the issues we care about. Bye, everyone. And stay safe. Stay safe. See you you soon. (laughs) Bye-bye.